Live from our man caves in Hawaii, Virginia, and Tennessee, welcome to MLS Gone Wild, where Dak, Blem, and Poopus bring you the latest news, rumors, analytics, predictions, and all things MLS and American soccer. Let's get her going, boys. MLS is back. Welcome to MLS Gone Wild, week 15. This is Blem. I hope y'all are safe, healthy, and as hype as Poopus and I are. Woo! Let's go. Welcome back to MLS Gone Wild. And of course, like Blum said, we're excited for MLS season to be back. So let's get her going. Yeah, guys, today we'll be discussing the MLS's back tournament and the MLS's statement on kneeling during the national anthem. Before we get into our main topics, we want to again thank Ja'Cory Hayes from Minnesota United for joining our podcast last week to discuss the murder of George Floyd and the social injustice in our country. He provided powerful and insightful information that has inspired us to further educate ourselves and advocate for equality in this country. So guys, please subscribe, rate, and review on whatever platforms you listen on and follow MLS Gone Wild on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So like I said, MLS made a huge announcement today. A couple episodes, we were talking about the possibility of a tournament in Orlando, and now everything came to fruition today. Poopus, you know, in Hawaii at 4 a.m. time. It was 10 a.m. our time here, so you woke up at 4 a.m. to this information, which is probably brilliant to wake up to. I got it while I was on the toilet at work. Um, so the MLS made their announcement today that the tournament is coming to Orlando. There's going to be 54 matches. All 26 teams are coming. There's going to be six different groups. I have a bunch of different important dates to give you guys. June 24th is going to be the arrival of all teams. They're going to, it's going to be a World Cup style. So there's going to be a group stage followed by a, a single elimination knockout phase. The final of the tournament is going to be played on August 11th. Poopus, is July 8th early enough for you or do you want to see a comeback right now? Like, I can't wait. I mean, I want to see a comeback right now, honestly, because I'm excited for the crew season to start back up. Like, diehard crew fan, fan, black and gold all the way. So I really wish it would have happened earlier. They could have came up with something. A lot sooner, but I mean, soccer's back, so that's all I care about right now. So I can't wait for the crew season to come back, and for just MLS soccer in general to get back in the play. Yeah, MLS is back, baby. You know they have to give players enough time to adapt to the time change, and you know to fully get fit again. Being fit is different from being soccer fit, so they're allowing those players that time. You know that's going to avoid injuries and and whatnot. So that's that's good for the league. So some important dates. The Bundesliga is being played right now. Obviously, it's got all eyes on the Bundesliga. The Bundesliga ends June 27th, a day before my birthday. Happy early birthday. Happy birthday month to me. Happy birthday, the, bro. Er, oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. Uh, the EPL ends on July 2nd. So all eyes will be off of the Bundesliga by the time the MLS comes back. The Liga, it begins June 11th. And finishes July 19th. So the MLS will have a little bit of a crossover with La Liga, the Spanish League. Serie A starts on June 20th and ends August 2nd. So there will be a little bit of a crossover there. With all of those soccer leagues, you know, the Bundesliga and the EPL are both ending before the MLS starts. So that's huge for the MLS because, you know, the EPL dominates NBC Sports Network on, you know, Saturday and Sunday mornings. Dominates it from 7 a.m. until 12 noon. The Bundesliga dominates Fox, Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2 right now from 7, yeah. 7 7.30 a.m. until, you know, 2 in, two in the afternoon. And honestly, even, even ESPN, because they had the uh, German Cup on today with Byron. So they've been they've been exactly. that over also. Exactly. And shout-outs to Frankfurt for wearing the Black Lives Matter jerseys. Those were absolutely amazing. Very powerful message put on the front of those jerseys. Um, and they they also put out a very powerful statement as well on their social media. So so good for Frankfurt. Poopus, what was the end score of that game? It was 2-1 uh, to one Byron. So they scored – I forget what minute it was, but they ended up getting uh, – I think it was Lebedowski ended up scoring the last goal for uh, Byron to win the game. So Their roster is so deep. It is incredible. So – other than the soccer leagues, the MLS has to worry about the NBA. The NBA is also coming to Orlando. They're coming there on July 31st. So I don't know what the TV deal with the NBA is going to be, whether they're going to take some of the slots on ESPN or whether the NBA is strictly going to be on you know, TNT and NBA TV network. So we'll see how that goes. But 
for the the month of July, the MLS has the majority of the televised programming on ESPN and Fox, and I believe Univision, Telemundo, and ESPN Plus as well. And they they really got to take advantage of this opportunity for them too, because this is their time to shine the MLS, and it's time to bring more viewers in and more fans in for the MLS community. So they really got to they really got to put in this full force and bring this bring this fire to the MLS season to resume the play and to bring and to bring more quality play and more quality fans to the MLS environment. Yeah, and kind of like Alexi Lawless said to us, you know, I've played there before and to me it just feels amateur because there's no stands, you know, there's no stands, there's a grandstand at one stadium, there's small stands on the other side, but there's no true stadium. It's literally like you're travel soccer complex you know with the exception of one field that's less than a minor league feel to it so they have to come up with very creative ways to make it appealing to the viewer's eye you know the Bundesliga did a really good job about the enhanced audio through the broadcast with making it sound like there were fans at the game you know granted with the Bundesliga they played in stadiums so uh you know, it, it looked more real with the MLS. They're playing on an empty soccer complex. There's going to be no stands. So if they decide to put in place that enhanced audio, it's not going to feel as real just because you don't see the stands. As long as you see the stands, you feel like there's people there. One thing the Bundesliga also did was not show the full stands. They showed the very bottom part of it. You know, it just looked like there was an actual stadium there. So that's that's one part of it. But another part is the MLS said they're going to increase um, video angles, you know, how they produce their, their coverage of video of the MLS games. And I don't know if that's going to be through a drone or if they're going to put like cameras on people's shirts or, or what have you, but they need to come really creative with how they provide video and how they provide coverage. And they've also stated that they're going to provide unrenowned um, player and coach coverage in the locker rooms, on the field, off the field. You know, they want to really make this feel as real as possible to the fan. So, Poopus, what do you make of all that? Like, I'm kind of interested in how they're going to set up the fields. Like, are they going to use, like, banners on the sideline to, you know, like, just fill in the gaps that way to make to make it look, look like it seemed like there's actually stands there or something like that? Or, like, what they're going to do? Because I know that I've heard they're supposed to do, like, interactive fan elements and access to players and coaches. So, like you said, are they going to put, like, uh, cameras on coaches, cameras on players, or are they going to put, like, uh, I don't know, like, microphones on the sidelines. That way you can hear, like, inside the, inside the like, huddles and stuff like that before the games and during the games and see what they say. And they even said they're supposed to do more interactive stuff for, like, the locker rooms, which I don't know what kind of locker rooms they're going to have because it's a Disney complex. But I'm kind of interested to see what they're actually going to do with that. Yeah, their their locker rooms is going to be under a concession stand or under a tree. I mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're not going to lie about that. And I guarantee you, like, they're they're going to have full like those foldable benches you see in Parks and Rec soccer. So that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I really can't remember if we stood or sat on the bench when we were at Disney. But to touch on the you know the cameras possibly on the coaches or the players, you know, that's not not the cameras, but the audio, the microphones on players and coaches. That's something that the NFL does and they often refer to throughout their broadcasts on national TV, you know, hearing players talk to opposing players, hearing players encourage their players on their own team. You know, that's kind of cool to hear. And one thing we've learned in the Bundesliga when teams decide and when broadcasts decide not to broadcast, you know, automated sound, you know, chants and whistles and what have you onto their broadcast, you do hear the players speaking um, you hear them talking to each other, you know, play it back, man on, those kinds of things. You know, that's that's educational in a sense. Like, but, you know, when you're when you're on TV, you want it to be entertainment. So, you know, the MLS has to really capitalize on the entertainment prospect of the whole thing. And, and that's the thing with the Bundesliga doing that, like before they like brought in these like audio fans and stuff like that. I thought it was super cool to hear these players speak and just communicate with each other. Because, I mean, that's what everybody should do, like just in like soccer in general. Like you want that stuff to happen while you're playing on the field, so yeah, it just gives. I don't know, man. But it, it it almost sounds so drowned out. So with the Bundesliga games, you know, when I watch them, 
in the morning, you know, the games start at eight in the morning or what have you. And if I turn them on in my bedroom with a, co- uh, a cup of coffee, like just without the, the commentators saying anything and with no background chance or anything brought through the broadcasts, it almost feels like golf to me, to be honest with you. Yeah, a little bit. And that's why I kind of like how they do this advanced audio thing right now where you bring the fans in. Cause I think I feel like it's going to bring a lot more people in than just, just listening to, you know, just players talking in the field and communicate. So I feel like a lot more people get tuned in to fans in the background than just hearing players talk. Yeah, and off the top of my head, I don't know what league it was, but there was a league that's that's over in Europe, I believe. Uh, this this could be an idea that the MLS steals, but they had Zoom calls and they had, they set up LED screens around one side of the stadium, and basically they had some of the top fans on big LED screens across the stadium, you know, drinking beer or you know doing chants or what have you. You know, as a player, I feel like that could be super distracting because as opposed to one giant person on a screen next to you, there's usually like a thousand people in a small area. So you really can't make out faces. It just looks like a blur to you, yeah. but you know, the, the zoom calls with the biggest fans, you know, with people, their faces are a hundred by a hundred feet. It, it, it might be a little distracting, but I think it's, it's really cool to see some of your biggest fans, you know, tuning in and you see their live reactions, especially if you scored a goal. Like imagine if you scored a goal and ran to the corner and there's two different LED screens there with some of the biggest fans of the Columbus crew. Like I know. And you, and you run and you slide into that corner and people are screaming, we are massive and they're chugging a beer and doing all that stuff. Like that's so cool. Yeah. Like I know I'd be pumped after seeing that stuff. Cause I'm like, it might be a little bit of distraction, but during these times you got, you got to figure out ways like they have been doing like electronically and stuff like that. To where you gotta bring you gotta bring that feeling of where sta- or fans were in the stands. You gotta bring that feeling to the players too, because I don't know. Some players feel like they actually like that stuff and having the fans there, but and then like some other players don't like it either. Like they've actually enjoyed not having fans in the stands and been just playing. So because it kind of zones it out. So, but everybody has their different opinions on it. But I think it's kind of cool to be honest. Yeah, different players have different opinions, you know. I think with it going to Orlando, the home in a way effect kind of goes away in the fact that everybody's at a neutral place except for Orlando, but even Orlando's almost it feels like a neutral place because no fans can be there. Yes, you're at home, but you're not really at home. You're staying at the same hotels every other team is staying at. So you you don't really feel like you're at home. Yeah, exactly, and I know I know Orlando fans are busting, even though they're like the home team and they're like they're su- like supplying the home fields. I know that Orlando fans are busting at the seams to when they after they saw that number one seed that they had. That's I mean that's all they're gonna get from there because I mean they ain't gonna move on after that because Orlando's a little <laughs> if yet during this season. So yeah, I I really hope that Orlando does not have to play Atlanta United. Oh, because that ain't gonna, that ain't gonna go well, even without Joseph Martinez. Oh, oh, <laughs> you, you ain't lying about that. That's for sure. But one thing I do have to say is, you know, I hope Orlando from this. I'm not sure what their state restrictions are right now or what their regulations are, but I hope that Orlando is able to prosper from this whole situation. I hope that they allow people in the bars. You know, I hope there's bars that allow watch parties that happen for different teams because there are Columbus crew fans down in Orlando. There's Colorado Rapids fans that are in Orlando. There are Chicago fire fans that are down in Orlando. You know, there's fans for every team across the country. You know, we all just kind of get displaced. I'm a Columbus crew fan in Virginia. Poopus is a Columbus crew fan in Hawaii. Like there's Columbus crew fans everywhere. So I hope Orlando's bars and, Places that have a lot of TVs, restaurants, bars, you know, they, they really take advantage of this. They offer specials and things like that. Because I, if I were down in Orlando, I would love to go to a, you know, Orlando FC watch party or a Columbus Crew watch party. Whatever the watch party is, I would love to go to. Which, which I think they'll, they'll have because, like, well, like back in the day when the World Cup was going on, the Columbus Crew hosted uh, watch parties for the World Cup. And for, like, one of the United States would play or other teams. And it was just it was just a great environment to be around other soccer fans. And you just got to talking to random people about soccer and just meeting new people in general. So, mm-hmm. and you just, I don't know, you just like meet, meet different people that are different fans from other parts of the world, different parts of the country. So it's kind of cool to have that opportunity to do that. 
Yeah, watch parties are one of the coolest experiences that Poopus and I have ever had. Poopus and I both experienced a watch party. What year was it, Poopus? 2012? I think so. I'm not, I'm not sure, but I feel like I think it was around there. Yeah, either 2012 or 2008. I don't think it was 2008. Um, no, I think it was 2012. Ago, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it was I think it was 2008. It was that when Lane and Donovan scored the game winner. Yeah, I forget. Honestly, I, I totally forget what year it was right now, but yeah. Sorry all of our listeners, we didn't prepare for this portion, but we're just talking about, you know, viewer parties and that's one of the coolest things of sports in general. You know, we were at Columbus Crew Stadium and the game was in South Africa and, you know, we felt so close to the game because, you know, we're United States soccer fans, you know, and that, and that would feel the same whether you were a Ghana fan, an Algeria fan, which is who Landon Donovan scored the goal against was Algeria off the top of my head. Back to you. You It was 2010. That's where it was. It's not that. Oh, was it 2010? Yeah, 2010. That's where it was. All right. Well, we were just throwing out dates in between. I just looked it up just to make sure, you know, just to make our – Yeah, that makes easy. sense yeah. because the last one was in 2018, so math would suggest that 2010 is the date. Yeah, exactly. There All you right. go. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, let's get back to the topic here, Poopus. Shout out to Lana Donovan for scoring that amazing goal. Beautiful. We'll never forget it. It's right, beautiful. It's uh, go, go, USA. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> All right, so what's at stake for this MLS's back tournament? Like I said, I hate that name. It should be the COVID Cup or the Closed Cup. Mickey Mouse Cup. But Mickey Mouse Cup, Buzz Lightyear Cup, whatever you want to call it. What's at stake stake for the Buzz Lightyear Cup? So the first three games are all going to be group stage games for every team. So whatever points you earn in that game, in in those games, those three games, you're going to earn for the regular season of the MLS. We're not so sure whether the first two games of the MLS season are going to count or not. The verbatim of it is a little bit weird to judge on. It says they're going to restart, so you can take that one or two ways. But anyways, the regular season points in the first three group games are going to count. You're going to have the coveted 2021 CONCACAF Champions League berth. That is big time. That's a huge incentive for the players, for the league. For the team. Um, so owners are going to want to put their best players forward. Managers are going to want to put their best players forward. Also, the $1.1 million in prize money. So my only question for you, Poopus, I don't know if you found anything or if you have any insight. So the only thing I found, it's a very general statement. It says $1.1 million worth of prize money. Does that go to general allocation money? Does that go to targeted allocation money? Or does that money get dispersed to the players? And and that's the thing, like, Garber has said nothing about where that money's going to go yet. So we don't know about that. But my guess is going to, like, probably, like, allocation money, to be honest, to pay for the future players that come into, the, like, whatever, to whatever team wins that cup, wins the cup. So, because I, I highly doubt it's going to go to players because, I mean, they got a 23-man roster. So splitting that money up, they're not going to get too much. So my guess is going to go allocation money, to be exact. So... So from if I were to take a player's perspective role, you know, they all took a minimal pay cut. I'm not sure exactly what that is off the top of my head, but they did take a pay cut within this um, within the agreement to do this tournament. But if I were the team to win the tournament, I believe my split, you know, one point one mil divided by twenty three would make up for the split that I lost. Yeah, I mean, that's so, true, honestly. And it's, it's going to be interesting how they like uh, actually figure out how they're going to do it. But at least, like, if you're gonna play in this tournament, they like. I feel like the players at least want to get something out of it at the end of the tournament. So, yeah, it's it's a huge incentive. So the tournament structure, they're gonna be playing three games a day, nine a.m. So the games are super spread out: nine a.m., ten thirty p.m., nine a.m., eight p.m., and ten thirty p.m. I'm sorry, I skipped the eight p.m. game. So nine a.m., eight p.m., ten thirty p.m. What do you think the huge gap in there attributes to? I think it's going to be like the Western Conference. I mean, you got LAFC, you got LA Galaxy, you got San Jose. Like, it's going to it's gonna contrib- contribute to that, their time frame on how they play during the actual, like, an actual regular season of MLS. So, I feel like they're going to put that towards them. And it's going to help them out a little bit because the jet lag and getting used to the time. So I feel like they're going to put it more towards them than anything, to be honest. 
Yeah, and you have to take into consideration their fan bases. So you're not going to want to put a, you know, Seattle or Portland or LAFC, LA Galaxy, San Jose Earthquakes, any of those teams. You're not going to put them at a, a 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time time. But you're not. But if you're a diehard fan, they're going to wake up anytime to watch watch your team play. So that's all. Yes, but but the goal is at least to maintain fans. But with like we said earlier, with the Bundesliga and the EPL already being finished, you know. All eyes are kind of going to be on the MLS, especially with La Liga and Serie A not having TV rights and deals to the U.S. So the MLS is going to dominate ESPN, Fox, and ESPN Plus, and Univision and Television uh, to you know to three times a day, despite what channels it's on. You know, and I was I was thinking earlier that you know the 9 a.m. game slots, most of the 9 a.m. game slots will probably go to Eastern Conference teams. And unfortunately, I think the MLS probably already knows this. It's common sense. 9 a.m. games. So they're going to be playing for 35 days straight. So a lot of those games are going to be during the week, which means a lot of their normal viewers would be working. You know, unless you sit behind a desk, you're not going to be able to watch. You're not going to be able to watch the games. So for me, I think at the 9 a.m. spot, unfortunately, you have to put the teams that aren't as – popular you know uh, i know fc cincinnati gets a lot of attendance in their games but how much attendance do they really get and you know uh, uh, on air when they're watching on espn you know how many usually when we're watching the mls it's lafc la galaxy portland seattle rsl there's there's the really really big teams new york new york city fc there's the really big teams that are in the mls that generate revenue that have a large, a very large fan base that bring in fans. So I would not think that those teams would ever play at 9 a.m. And the other thing is, like, I mean, I know Cincinnati's got a new coach, so they might they might bring a little bit more fire during this tournament to actually show that they actually care about their new coach and then bringing, like, just pretty much starting over, to be, to be honest, because that's pretty much what they're doing. After they went through so much trouble with their old old management and stuff like that, so I feel like they're gonna bring. They're, I feel like they're bring a little bit more fire than they usually do. Yeah, I think this is their third coach in two years, though. To be honest with you, so yeah, I don't know so. if it's just. I don't know if it's the culture within FC Cincinnati or what have you. Um, as Columbus Crew fans, we hope the hell is real. Uh, rivalry really takes off, and we hope it's a real rivalry. So more power to FC Cincinnati. We hope you guys really take off. But you know we. I think at least that there's going to be teams like FC Cincinnati, New New England Revolution. They're not very good right now. Unfortunately, they're probably not going to put Orlando. Orlando's the number one overall seed in the in the East right now. Not that the seeds really matter per se, but just for a viewership matters. I think they will not put Orlando. There's probably a slight agreement in there somewhere that they're going to put Orlando towards the 8 p.m. slot. I mean, they might. I guess we'll we'll find out when uh, the drawing happens tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, and we'll find out when they actually bring out the full schedule and see when actual the teams play. So, Yeah, so for the tournament draw tomorrow, like Poopa said, it's going to be at 3.30 p.m. Hopefully we have the pod out by that time. If not, we're sorry. We're behind the ball. Uh, you guys can watch on MLSsoccer.com, MLS's Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. You guys can watch on all those places. So we touched on the times. So the Eastern Conference is going to have – Eastern Conference and the Western Conference is both going to have three groups apiece. Eastern Conference is going to have three groups, one group of six. Okay. Take this how it is. Nashville has been moved to the East until at least the end of 2020. They'll reevaluate at the end of that time. And there will be two groups of four. So the West is also going to have three groups with four teams each. Uh, I think the move of Nashville is interesting. I got some perspective on Twitter earlier today from a correspondent from Nashville. And they think it's because they're a more central location and travel will be less of an issue for them to the East rather than the West. So I, I understand that perspective. I don't know if right now is the right timing, but for even numbers on both sides, I understand it. You know, having 13 teams on both sides might be a little bit difficult for a tournament style. Which, which I mean, like, I don't know, Nashville, like, I feel like 
National being Eastern Conference is a little bit better than having them in the Western Conference because what you have Austin FC and was it Charlotte coming in next year? Yeah, Charlotte's going to be in the East. Austin's going to be in the West, and then you got Sacramento and St. Louis. So both of those guys are probably going to be in the West as well. So they might have to reallocate somebody else on the East again. Yeah, so I feel like I feel like if they put Nashville in the East, and I and for like I mean the rest of the MLS, I feel like I feel like they fit in the Eastern Conference to be honest, because where they especially where they're located in Nashville. So I feel that way as well, man. Maybe I'll that'll be another excuse for me to go to Nashville. I mean that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So like I said, the Western Conference is gonna have three groups, four teams each. It's very normal in the Western Conference. Each team will play three group stage games. Like I said, those will count towards the regular season standings. The top two teams in each group and the four best third place finishers will move on to the knockout stages, the knockout stages of 16. Um, if there is a tie, you know, if that question comes up, you know, there's obviously some regulations that come into play, total number of wins, goal differential goals for fewest disciplinary points, away goal differential, away goals for uh, home goal differential, home goals for coin toss. I don't know how the, the home and away is going to go. There's no real home field advantage at this point. Like I said earlier with Orlando, like Orlando's at home, but they're not living at home. They're not living a normal life. So the MLS, you know, in their statement that they put out today on their website, they directed us to that exact thing I just read to you guys. I don't know if that's going to stand, to be honest with you. So the tournament draw, I said it's going to be tomorrow at 3.30. You guys can watch it there. Um at MLSsoccer.com, MLS Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. But more importantly, but almost less importantly, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, I, you know, they, they gave Orlando the number one overall seed in the six-team bracket. It's not even a bracket. It's a, it's a play. It's a, it's a pool. It's a six-team pool. Everybody plays three teams. The top two or three teams will go through. Like whatever you're ranked, it really doesn't matter. So the other five teams are other than Orlando city is Atlanta United, Toronto FC, LAFC, Seattle, and RSL. And those are based off of last year's results and performances. So, you know, all those teams granted are, are good this year outside of Orlando. Yeah. I mean, you got that right, honestly. So, but so, I understand why Orlando got placed there because they're hosting it, but they won't see anything close to anything like that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, it really doesn't matter. You know, just because you're the one seed, it doesn't mean Orlando's going to play the worst team in the East. That's not the case. They're going to play three teams in the East. They could play the crew. They could play New York Red Bulls. They could play New York City. They could play Toronto. It doesn't matter. Like, all of those teams could beat Orlando. So, you being the top seed, well, they can't play Toronto because Toronto is the top seed in another bracket. But all those other teams I just listed, and there's plenty of other good Eastern Conference teams. And just like LAFC, and like just because you're LAFC and you're the top pick in another bracket doesn't mean you're not going to face uh, LA Galaxy or Minnesota United, who's hot off the jump, or Sporting Kansas City. Like You guys could all meet your match. And so it'll be interesting tomorrow at 3.30 p.m. to, to really watch that. And, I, and I, I'm really excited to watch it, Poopus. Oh, I am too, and that's the thing. I was like... And I'm, I'm like, I'm excited to see if LA Galaxy has actually changed the way they're going to play, especially with Chicharito up top. Because I know they started, I think it was what, they started 0 2. They haven't won a game yet or something like that. Yeah. And, yeah. And Chicharito hasn't scored. Yeah. And Chicharito hasn't scored. He struggled coming in as a huge player in the MLS, being one of like one of the top players coming in. So I'm kind of interested in how they actually set up their formation and how Scalotto is actually going to plan on how they're going to do playing with Chicharro up top. Because, I mean, they don't have Ebra like we talked about. I mean, I, I think it was like week one or two in our podcast. So I'm kind of interested if they actually are going to play a little bit different with Chicharro up top. Because since they have all this time to actually, like, like explain on how they're going to set up formations with each other, like with other coaches and stuff like that. So I'm kind of interested in how they're going to play. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the depth of teams and what have you. So speaking on the depth of teams, because that's going to be very important, the MLS for the rest of this season and the tournament has decided to move to five subs per game. Within that five subs parameter, you only get three opportunities to make those subs. So 
for halftime, halftime does not count. You guys can make as the, the MLS teams can make as many subs as possible, but you know, there's five subs per game, three opportunities per game. So you have to fit those five subs within, you know, three separate substitution times. Uh, there's not specific times you can choose to sub those, you know, players in any time, but you can't just sub one player in, you know, at, at, you know, at five different times, you have to group them together and you have to be very strategic about how you do it. So I think that's a very interesting rule about uh, the, the MLS coming back, whether it's the tournament or it's the regular season. I think it's very interesting. I think it may be something that they may adopt going forward. On top of that is the 23 man rosters. I think that's very interesting because that's five more than the usual players they have on the roster. I think this gives uh, the MLS a good opportunity to play the younger players and the players within the MLS that don't play or get as many minutes as most MLS players or as many minutes as some of these players should get, to be honest, you know, as much exposure as they should get. What do you think, Poopus? I mean, I agree with that because I know with the Brunus League, they've been like, I've, I've seen teams bring in three players at halftime or something like that to actually take advantage of like new, new legs on the field. So, and I mean, if you're not liking how somebody's gonna play, then you and honestly, like to be honest, this is gonna feel like a like a preseason cup to, to a lot of these MLS players. So I feel like just give opportunities to other players on the bench. Like there's I mean there might be there might be players that actually have actually take take this to heart and actually wanna perform to their like highest quality. So put them on the field and see what they can do. Like this is an opportunity to actually see what your bench can actually do during these times. Yeah, like you said, this is this is an opportunity for not only the MLS, but for younger players, for players that don't play as much. Um, so these players really need to take advantage of the time that they do have down in Orlando. It may feel strange for the bigger players within the MLS, but the younger players really need to take advantage. So the next thing I want to talk about is the – the testing and the preventative measures that the MLS is, is, is taking to prevent COVID-19 from spreading in Orlando and to enable the league to continue on to its entirety. So players and staff will be tested two times, 24 hours apart before leaving for Orlando. So before that June 24th mark, they will be tested two times before they even leave. Upon arrival to Orlando, everyone will be tested again. Uh, During the first two weeks that they're there, the first 14 days, players will be tested every other day. This seems very invasive, but I, it it has to be done. But I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what every, pretty much every league's doing in sport, in the sports world. So you got, you kind of just got to follow along and just take, take like those precautions to make sure everybody's safe and to go further with this tournament. And that way you don't have to cancel everything, you know, after planning out playing this tournament out for so long already. So just precautions that you got to take and just to keep moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. You have to keep the players, the staff, the, you know, the residential staff at the hotels, everybody needs to be safe. There's so many different components that go into orchestrating this, this tournament that's going on. It's a world cup, but in a very small, small location. So after the first 14 days that they are there, players and staff will be tested regularly, including the day before a match. On top of that, self-temperature screenings and standardized screening questionnaires will uh, take place on a daily and bi-daily basis. Um, So basically, they're going to be taking their own temperatures, and there's a questionnaire. It's very basic. Are you showing any kind of symptoms? And they're going to list those symptoms. You're going to check yes or no. If you're exhibiting any of those symptoms, you need to further uh, seek further examination from your team's medical doctor. So for, and that's all of the, the, that's the testing portion. So from a prevention standpoint, teams are going to be wearing face coverings or face masks. They're going to be social distancing. There's going to be general hygiene, avoid touching face, washing hands, uh, avoiding food sharing, bottles, towels, or equipment, cleaning and sanitation sanitization, disinfecting surfaces, surfaces. So they're going to be doing everything that every workplace across America is doing. Uh, They just have to take extra precautions because the implications of them failing at this are way, they're huge. 
and that's and that's the thing that they haven't came out with yet. Like, if somebody actually comes down with the signs of like the coronavirus or actually gets sick from something else, like they haven't they haven't said anything that they're gonna do yet. So I'm kind of interested on what they're what the MLS is gonna say if somebody actually comes down with this COVID nineteen or another yeah. another illness. That what they're gonna do? Like, are they gonna like cancel the games for that team, or are they just gonna keep moving forward and have that have that player sit and or if every like if everybody else clears the test, are you just gonna let the, let the other players play and you know just fill in that spot? So I'm kind of interested and in see how they're almost gonna take this opportunity to go forward with this COVID nineteen stuff and testing. Yeah, so in layman's terms, the league has an extensive plan if a player or staff member tests positive, including isolation. And one of the big things that comes with somebody testing positive for COVID-19 is tracing contact with the people that the person testing positive was in contact with. So that's something they're going to have to really pay attention to. And that's going to come down to a player interview. You know, who have you been in contact with? And, you know, reviewing film and seeing who they've been in contact with for more than 10 minutes at six feet apart for a certain period, you know, a certain period of time or what have you. So they, they do have a plan. I don't know what the plan is. If X amount of numbers test positive, X, X amount of players test positive, if they call the league or, 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 or what they do with it. But those are their very basic and standard precautions and procedures. And, for... and that, that's another thing. Like, I know, like, I know these players are told not to, like, you can't pretty much leave the hotel and stuff like that. And I know they're going to be, like, you're not going to be, you're not going to be wanting to sit in your hotel room, like, alone. Like, you're going to be wanting to, you know, interact with your friends and stuff like that. So they're going to have to, like, it's, I don't know. It's just going to, it's going to be depending on what the MLS wants to do about that stuff, too. Yeah, if I test positive, get me a private jet and fly me home. I'm not going to stay in Disney and not be able to do anything for two weeks. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's how I feel. Like, I'm not going to be sitting around in the hotel room by myself and just, you know, without my family or friends. Because I know you guys are team when you get back anyways, but I'm not going to just want to sit there and not be able to play at all when you're, you know you're there for the tournament, so – yeah. So what happens after the tournament? So apparently, according to the MLS, it's going to be a continued regular season with a revised schedule in home markets. Obviously, all of that is contingent upon local governments saying that it's OK for, you know, local sports to come back, professional sports to come back in that market. And you know, in, in what in, in what regard are there going to be fans or they're not going to be fans? How many people are allowed in the stadium, you know, media wise? So they have a lot to figure out, but we're not going to figure that out probably for the next month. So that's kind of all up in the air. So I hope that at least after this tournament that things are going to be able to go back to normal and there's going to be a revised schedule and we'll be able to at least play some of the remaining of the, the schedule of the regular season MLS schedule and then the you know, MLS Cup playoffs and the MLS Cup. I, I hope that's able to happen. I hope that's televised. I hope we're able to get to that point. Seeing from where we are now, we're starting from the ground up. So I hope we get there. But I do think there's going to be – there's still not going to be people in the stands, though. I feel like that's still going to be held in the place, which, I mean, yeah, it stinks. Not being able to have – like, if you go to MLS Cup, not having people there to support you. But I feel like it's still going to happen. And – but I, I still feel like they're going to proceed with the season and actually be able to play, you know, at their home stadium and stuff like that, which I do want to see. So I still be excited about that because, I mean, people still support your team at home and stuff like that. So For sure. And people still support their teams through MLS Fantasy, Poopus. Oh, do and that do you, do you think we'll be able to see MLS Fantasy come back during all of this? Uh, that's I mean, that's a good question. Like, I don't know if they're going to be able to resume it or not, but – it depends on it depends if they act honestly, it depends on if they're gonna resume the season after this whole tournament is gonna to be done too. So, I mean that's the plan. That's the plan. So I mean if I feel like the if they if they're gonna resume the season after this tournament, I feel like fan, MLS fantasy will be able to resume after that. Hey, I'm here to start playing the season start, you know, July eighth. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm just ready to watch some MLS soccer, watch watch our crew play. That's all I gotta say. 
For sure. I, unfortunately, I can't pick 11 crew players. I can only pick like three or four of them. But if I could, I would pick all 11. I mean, you ain't wrong about that. So, Poopus, if a team t- – if if there is a tie in a knockout game stage, they're going to a PK shootout. Let me ask you a question. Would you rather see the NHL-style shootout rather than the traditional MLS-style shootout in those cases just because it's a one-and-done, like, tournament style? I mean, even though I love the old MLS style with, a, like, a hockey shootout with the NHL shootout, like, I love seeing that. Like, I thought it was – I thought I think – I thought it was, like, a lot more exciting – like a player driving at, at like your at your goalie, like I feel that's more exciting. But I feel like you just gotta keep the normal MLS style and how it is because I don't think I don't think they're gonna bring that back to be honest. Yeah, I don't think so either. But you know, right now when Don Garver is looking for ways and excuses to find more fans and more viewership, I think that could be an avenue. I think it's a very exciting piece of MLS soccer and, and MLS soccer history. And that's a, that's another thing. I mean, it's a tournament. Yeah, like it might feel like a preseason tournament to a lot of people, and it's a tournament to like honestly just test things out, see what like, see what happens. So, I mean, this would be a tournament to actually test that thing out to where you're driving at the goalie again, like like back in the day with the MLS. So it might be it might be something to test out, but I highly doubt that it's going to happen in this tournament, though. Yeah, I I would love to see a hockey shootout. I don't know how realistic it is. Uh, one more thing that I have to bring up before we move on, Poopus, is VAR. I've seen a couple different things that VAR is going to be in all games or VAR is only going to be in games that are knockout stage. So after the group stage, the last 16, there will be VAR then. What do you think? Do you think VAR needs to be in all games? I mean, it's part of the MLS now, so you might as well have VAR in all games. I mean, you're going to – I mean, what? are you gonna, like? They're going to fold out their beer pong table on the sideline and put their little TV on top of that. So I mean that's what that's to me that's what it's gonna look like right now because the MLS, so they got really got stuff their game up with that, but I feel like it's I mean you already made the rule in the MLS where it's part of the whole season, so you gotta bring that you gotta bring it in every single game if you're gonna use VAR, you can't just quit it, and just bring it back for knockout stages. So that's that's how I feel. Yeah, I agree with you. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna go halfway in you might as well go all the way in you know don't just do the knockout stages do the whole thing it's only fair that way if a team gets knocked out because there's not var right before the final 16 they're gonna have a lot of questions for you and you're gonna have a lot of questions to answer so our second topic of tonight is the mls's statement on kneeling during the national anthem so i will give you guys this don garber's quote here While fostering an environment of diversity, equality, and inclusion, Major League Soccer stands by the ideals of freedom of speech and the right to peacefully protest that are the hallmarks of the United States and Canada. If players or staff decide to stand, kneel, or otherwise exercise their right to peaceful protest during the playing of the national anthems before league games, we support them. Poopus, what are your initial thoughts? Which, I mean, I love that. I love the MLS because I know they took a while to come up with a statement at first when this whole George Floyd incident happened. So I love that they came out so quickly with this because I feel like – so if you weren't – so Don Garber, I feel like if you, were not, if you weren't in agreement with this, then you're, you would have players kneeling anyways. And the, I feel like the whole MLS system would come out with fines for each player. So I'm glad Don Garber came out with this so quickly to actually allow players to actually speak their freedom of speech and to protest on the field. So I, I love that part about this. So, cause since they took so long to actually bring out a statement. So I feel yeah. like I, I like this a lot. Yeah. I think this is going to be t- distasteful to a lot of people. This past week, we've seen Drew Brees come out with a quote saying that people kneeling, his teammates kneeling during the national anthem is disrespectful. Throughout this last week, we've seen him apologize multiple times. He reached out to black teammates to learn and understand their experiences. And he shared those things that he learned this past week. He also stood up to Donald Trump uh, while attempting to shed light and knowledge on the true meaning of kneeling during the anthem. Like it's, it's not about the flag. It's about the social injustice and it's about the murdering of black people through the hands of the police. So, that's the that's the real message. So Colin Kaepernick, unfortunately, is 
I, d- I don't have the right word for it, but Colin Kaepernick was one of the first people to make an extreme in recent years, make an extreme stance on it. And I don't even know if it's that extreme, you know, Colin Kaepernick was the first person to take a knee during the national anthem. Plenty of players followed him. We saw Megan Rapinoe do the same thing a couple of years ago. Oftentimes during these kinds of protests, when you're trying to send a message, the first person is often the person that is punished the most. But recently we've seen that is the trend. Colin Kaepernick, what he did is now the trend. Everybody's kneeling. We have, we have police officers kneeling right now because they understand that it's not about the flag. It's about something else. It's about police brutality. It's about social injustice. It's, it's a, completely about something else. So with that, I leave you Reggie Cannon's quote. He says, I can firmly say Kaepernick was right. Peaceful protests happened, but they weren't accepted. Now you get people speaking out against violent protests. We had a peaceful protest against violent protests. We have been peacefully protesting. It didn't work. Now that people are being forced to listen, the message is getting out. So the NFL on top of the MLS, the NFL actually, I believe, released their statement beforehand, released that they were also going to be supporting their players. Since then, Colin Kaepernick, there's been rumors that there's a good chance he's going to be back in the league this year. Which I feel like he's going to get signed without a doubt, honestly. And that, and everybody else is looking for Roger Goodell to actually apologize to Ka- Colin Kaepernick because he actually hasn't done so personally. So, and what about all those players that got fined for kneeling during the national anthem, though? So, like, that's that's a question. Like, I don't. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I commend the MLS for being f- front runners in this. And from the jump, letting the players know that they, you know, hey, we're supporting you. And if you guys go on to MLSsoccer.com, the MLS is fully supporting their African-American soccer players. They're posting all of their quotes. You know, they're taking their quotes and they're putting them into stories. And, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely amazing some, what some of the players are stay, saying. We've seen recently the German Bundesliga, you know, uh, with, with, with Weston McKinney, he's – you know, wearing Black Lives Matter on his armband. And, you know, Jesse Marsh is also doing the same thing. You know, we're, we're seeing those things in Europe and across and like, the world. And just like Frankfurt today with their jerseys, they had Black Lives Matter going it, across it. it so. exa- exactly. And so it's good that the MLS is giving their players this voice because, you know, it, it's good that they're doing this. But, you know, a league that does it so much better, Poopus? Go ahead. Is the, is the NBA. The NBA does a phenomenal job. Adam Silver does a phenomenal job at giving his star players and all players a huge platform to speak on the social injustice and the police brutality and everything that's going on in this country. They give them a huge platform, and I cannot commend the NBA enough. And I think that the NFL and the MLS is being smart and following and, that lead. And that's all I was about to say. I, I... – I feel like this is a good good sign for Don Garber to actually push this forward and actually support his players and his league to actually kneel during the national anthem and support the Black Black Lives Matter movement. So I give I give kudos to Don Garber on this too. Exactly, and like I said off the top, like this conversation might be distasteful to some. Um, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of opinions on you know on on this topic, but. In the grand scheme of things, you know, Drew Brees came to the perspective, you know, it's not about the flag. You know, I, I've Poopus has served in the military before, so he has a different perspective than I have. I've had family serve in the military, so I understand that portion. But it just so happens that it's gotten to the point where these players need to voice their opinion on the most powerful stage and where they can be most effective and that is the place where they can be most effective is during the national anthem. Which I mean, I, I feel that because I mean, I support I support the United States of America fully, honestly. Especially Absolutely. After, after being in the army and stuff like that. USA. Yeah. USA. <laughs> and that's a, that's the thing. Like these military members actually go on the field during like during these MLS games and actually be able to hold the flag during the national anthem. That's an honor to be out on that field and, and like in front of thousands of fans. So. I love that part, and I hope they actually keep that part for our military members because, 
I'm never like I don't know. I feel like I feel like that would be just a a downward to you know bring. I'm not, I'm not saying like bring peace to America, but just for the United States of America to keep those military members on the field holding our flag and resembling what this actual what, what this actual country stands for. So yeah, yeah. The the ultimate goal of playing the national anthem is to promote nationalism and pride in your country. So I completely understand it. So I think that we'll continue to bring those veterans out onto the field uh, to to hold the flag and to you know sing the national anthem and things like that. But we also have to respect that you know a peaceful protest is better than a, a, a better than a riot. It sends a better point. You know. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm glad Don Garber brought this out, this statement out so quickly. That way the players can actually speak their justice and their freedom of speech on the field while, you know, before a game or during the game or something like that. So I'm, I'm glad he, he actually did that. Absolutely. Kudos to the MLS. Kudos to Don Garber. Um, right now it looks like such an inclusive league. I'm so proud to, to view and to talk about on a weekly basis. It's, it's amazing. And the things that they came out with today and yesterday, are are great and um you know we we needed something positive in our lives poopus yeah we did and i feel like yeah i mean it's tough times right now but there's been there's been tough times throughout the this whole time in this country so we're gonna we're gonna take the steps to get there but i mean it's gonna take a while but we'll we'll get there at some point and i hope it brings unity to everybody in this country so i mean i'm pumped to see what uh, happens on further in this country so i think it's gonna be good especially with people speaking their own voice right now and actually bring that movement into full effect. So, Yeah, there's a lot of things going on right now in the country. You know, there's COVID-19. It's taking people's lives. There are the, you know, social injustices that are happening. There are the riots and protests that are happening. So there's so much going on in America right now. So soccer is, you know, even though we're highlighting it tonight, it's still playing a back fiddle to what's actually going on in the country. But we hope that soccer being back bring some kind of light and happiness and refreshment to everybody and serves as an outlet to all the fans and people that are looking for some kind of sports outlet to happen. Yeah. And I agree. And this, this is to bring people together and actually like pretty much bring peace to the peace of this country and bringing everybody to love each other in this country. So I'm happy to see where this, where this country is going and it just needs to happen a lot more and to bring this justice, uh, justice together. So justice and social equality is what we are striving for. Um, so guys, Poopus, do you have anything else to close out with? No, I just want I just want to thank everybody for you know listening to our podcast and supporting us. And I just want to, you know, bring happiness to everybody that listens to this podcast and throughout the whole world. So Yeah, guys, thank you for listening. Again, if you guys haven't gotten the chance to yet, go listen to Jacory Hayes' podcast. Uh, anywhere you guys listen to podcasts, search MLS Gun Wild. You guys will find it's our latest podcast before this one. Go ahead and listen to that. Super insightful and very powerful. Guys, listen to that. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, MLS Gun Wild. Until next time, uh, from Poopus and I, we'll catch you later.